Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Does anybody else have anything to say about either Jax or Corinne? This one right here, I see your heart, and it's ruthless, it's black, it's ugly, and I know why you're in this house, because you're a demon, and you're demon-possessed. Wow. of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry our pop culture and reality tv recaps with welcome to Plathville and Kardashians for this week you guys we've got some mess and I'm I'm really excited I guess maybe we should just get the opener out of the way <laughs> or can I get a hell yeah of course for this week goes to none other than Tiffany New York Pollard for telling Jax Taylor Frankly, everything that he needed to hear years ago on E's House of Villains. If you guys are not watching the show, I believe you can find... It's only been two episodes, and I'm of the understanding that both of them are available for free on YouTube. If you don't have cable, but it's on E, they play it on Bravo all the time. So there's some... You can see it uh, quite a lot. They're they're trying to get eyes on the show, for sure. Uh, but they're featuring people like Johnny Bananas, Bobby Lights... Tiffany New York Pollard, Jax, um, Tanisha from Bad Girls Club, uh, Omarosa, Corinne from The Bachelor, just like a bunch of people shake from Love is Blind. Um, and they're all competing to be the biggest villain. So there's like an elimination element. There was, <laughs> long story short, in episode two, Jax realizes that he it's not just like a physical challenge thing that he can tough his way through. He has to like also be nice to people and it starts off bad. He gets into it with shake of all people because he starts talking about 
the money that they're making. How Britney's been rolling in like $2 million with her Jenny Craig? Is it Jenny Craig? Weight Watchers? I don't know. Her, her weight loss um, commercials, right? Like she's doing so well. To the point where Shake and other cast members are now like, okay, if you're making that much money, why are you here? We should probably eliminate you because it seems like you're pretty good to go. And like, we're really hungry for this cash, right? So he's like, uh-oh, maybe I should start to form alliances. He tries to make one with Tanisha from Bad Girls Club. And that's really it. Like, it's not like he's being an, like the worst person in the house, um, but he's definitely ruffling a few feathers. Jackson Shake get into it in the hot tub, of course, where Jackson's up telling Shake that if he ever sees him anywhere in LA, he'll gladly go to jail for him. And like, okay, then beat his ass right now. Are you guys not in LA County? Maybe you guys are filming out in the Valley. I don't know. But um, yeah, basically that's Bobby Lights. I don't really have much experience with Bobby Lights. Bobby Lights is a demon, okay? Uh, Bobby Lights is also a demon and demon-possessed. Him going, like, getting wasted and then getting lightly cajoled into going into New York and Corinne's bedroom while they're sleeping and trying to start drama with them and try to be like, oh, I'm mad at you guys for this, that, and the other. And they're both like, Bobby, what are you talking about? You're really, really drunk. And you don't even know what you're saying. So I I don't care. I don't care for Bobby. I gotta say that. I also don't care for Johnny Bananas. Johnny Bananas is is stuck. He's in a, he's stuck. He's stuck in a loop where I think he thinks that he's still like 28. And he is like hitting on Anfisa from 90 Day Fiance and Corinne. Because like clearly they're the like most stereotypically hot girls in the house. And Anfisa doesn't. And she isn't going to. And he's not picking up on that. And she's like, he's not really my type. Like, this, this, I would never. And I'm not going to. So, but he keeps, like, having eyes for her. Like, he really thinks that he's going to hook up with her. Just because he's, like, you know, in his mind, still 28-year-old, hot, I'm using air quotes here, Johnny Bananas. And that's just not the case, babe. You're, like, 47,000. So, anyway. Corinne and Jax end up being put up for elimination. They have to plead their case. And then Joel McHale, who's been hosting it, um, asks the rest of the cast, do you guys want ha- have anything to say to either Corinne or Jax? And this is where Tiffany just lets the chopper spray. Now, really, this doesn't seem to come from anywhere. <laughs> because it doesn't seem like... We have not seen a specific beef between Tiffany and Jax on the show. Does it matter to me? No. Did I laugh? Yes. So let's just make that clear. I also posted this on TikTok and somebody uh, tried to take it down for bullying and harassment. And I have a feeling I, I know who that is. Jax. Jason. I appealed it and I won. Thank you very much. Anyway, um, a lot of people are saying that they feel sorry for Jax because after being told that he was a demon who's demon possessed, that we saw him sitting there taking out a handkerchief or a Kleenex or whatever and really dabbing his eyes. I did not see nary a tear, okay? Dry sockets, much like his nasal passages. But anyway, um, I 
had a lot of people say that they feel sorry for him. He cried. He's a changed man. Ladies, gentlemen, everybody on the binary or not, he went on a show called House of Villains where they are competing for money and the crowd of who's the biggest reality TV show villain in history. So don't cry for me, Argentina. I don't care. He And I didn't even think he cried. Okay. Those were some hot lights that he was under. And I think maybe he just like had, again, some dry sockets. I, the, the fact that people like actually saw that, you would have thought if you looked at the comments that that man was like openly sobbing on the show. If you look back, he dabs his eyes like three times and they're sniffing. But again, if you watch Vanderpump Rules, you know Jax is good for a sniff. Okay, that's old hat for him. Anyway, you guys, let's get to our girl of the week, which is going to none other than Brian McKnight. He is so whack, y'all. I don't know if you guys remember this. I spoke about how he was having issues with his children. Now he's got, is this this like a fair thing to say? Just for the the interest of like being descriptive, he's got two sets of children, right? Like he's got the OG kids that he had with his wife and he's now got another set of, of family. The wife that the second wife had children that he's really taken under his wing and they now have children themselves. The older children, Brian's oldest children are very um much rejected and dejected from this man. He like doesn't really acknowledge them. They've made it very clear that their relationship in the best of times since he's gotten remarried has been strained. And basically he's just like, fuck them kids and I don't know you guys and this is my new life, my new wife, my new family and whatever. So um people realize a couple things. Now he already had with the OG kids a son named Brian. And so then he named his second, the second family. He just had a child and he named that one Brian. And I guess he wanted us to think that like, we didn't realize that he already had a kid named Brian. Like this was like, oh, my original Brian Jr. Oops. Don't, don't look too far into that. But he named the second one, Brian Kainoa Makoa junior now the reason why it's junior because he announced on instagram after basically being very public about the fact he like did not care about his first set of children that uh he (laughs) i cannot believe this so he posted a picture of um an album cover uh with it says uh mcknight time I don't know what the lullaby is, an album for my son. Introducing, and it's got a picture of the baby, gorgeous little baby, gorgeous little cheeks, so cute. Introducing Brian Kainoa Makoa Jr. So the caption is, so proud to introduce our son to the world with the release of my new album lovingly created for him, Jr. Because I am so proud to officially announce that I have legally changed my name to exactly match my legacy. My legal name is now Brian Kainoa Makoa McKnight Sr. Ah! McKnight Time Lullabies, the songs of a father to his namesake. Available now. Now he put the hashtag namesake in it. Hashtag family first. Hashtag son. Hashtag 
my legacy, hashtag baby Brian, hashtag junior. You already had a Brian Jr. psycho. And now you're completely erasing it from your life and changing your name to match your second Brian. What? Weird. That is exceptionally weird, sir. And to shake that off, we have to get into the girl-on-girl drama, y'all. I have been saying from time here and there that in terms of celebrity relationship drama, the messiest, juiciest drama that you're going to get is in the lesbian, the women-loving women, like the celesbian community. Like, they're always up to something, and now, ooh, we got to get into it. So, most of you know actress Sophia Bush. She's most commonly known for her role on One Tree Hill. Y'all, I did not watch that show. That's not really my thing, but I know her. I'm aware and I know the vibe, right? So she is a famous actress, right? And then we have our second player, Ashlyn Harris, a former goalkeeper for the national team. She was married to uh, Allie Krieger. They were kind of like a golden couple. They have two kids, like very cutesy. Everybody thought that they were like, you know, hashtag couple goals, right? Sophia's been a major supporter of women's soccer. She's a part owner of Angel City FC, which is the LA team. They actually have a long list of other celebrities and notable people who own the uh, uh, the f- uh, football club, like Jessica Chastain, Natalie Portman, um, uh, Serena Williams' husband, Rachel Zoe, Gabrielle Union, and her, um, what, how old is Kavia? Five at this point? <laughs> Kavia is a part owner of the Angel City FC. They're all out here, right? So she's been a major supporter and like, you know, just been like, she's made friends with like Megan Rapinoe and has like really been kind of seen running in these uh, circles of like the top soccer, women's soccer players, right? Um, She has been married for, or had been married for like just a little over a year to a guy named Grant Hughes. They had known each other for about a decade, connected over the pandemic and were like decided to get married It seems like everything is amicable. Like he said, you know, typical PR, like, "Ah, we're best friends. I'll want the best for her. I'm so supportive of whatever makes her happy and fulfilled. Like he, as far as Grant and Sophia and their breakup, it seems like things are amicable, but I will talk about this in a second. I will say not, not messy. So Sophia filed for divorce in August of this year, and Ashlyn filed for divorce from Allie Krieger in late September of this year. So people started noticing that Ashlyn and Sophia were hanging out, you know, like in big groups with, you know, other soccer players and, you know, people in, you know, just like big circles of people. But people started noticing that these two were hanging out and they seemed close and something's going on here. Like something, something is weird. Now people on TikTok started noticing this like a couple weeks ago, which is why I had to chuckle when days after I found out this information, People Magazine had this really light and fluffy um, PR statement about how Ashlyn and Sophia had just started dating a couple weeks prior. And, you know, just very... Uh, Good morning, America, third hour, you know what I mean? Like, like those two. (laughs) It it just seemed like very convenient. Like, oh, all of a sudden, we just started dating a few weeks ago. And it definitely did not happen 
before Ashlyn filed for divorce, just to make that clear. This is very new, very early stages, even though apparently they already have um, the nickname Bushlin for their friends and that they're going on double dates with each other and they're like traveling internationally, this, that, the other. Okay, but y'all just started dating and you guys have been on like a date and you're still friends and you're just figuring things out. Okay, sure. Now that would be all well and good if Allie the ex, now ex-wife, hadn't posted on Instagram on Ashlyn's birthday, by the way, preparing for the playoffs while I'm in my Beyonce lemonade era. And people were like, well, there we go. And then her brother, Kyle, whom some of you guys may know, Kyle Krieger, he is a celebrity hairstylist. He's like really, really hot, but he's like always, he's out here in these streets. You've probably seen him. He commented, these hoes ain't loyal, but me and your fans are. He posted uh, the gif of Beyonce with the, uh, um, with the bat and the, you know, the gorgeous yellow gown that she's wearing. And so, you know, it's giving. So here's what I have gathered. Here's the, the crumbs that I've been able to pick up. So back in June, Sophia and Ashlyn were, they went to con. They went to some sort of like women's summit together, some, some event. And then days later, allegedly, this is according to TMZ, that reportedly days after that, Ashlyn told Allie, we're headed for a divorce. Now, I've heard that Ashlyn has been making like some very strange moves like uh taking her proud mother of two off of her Instagram and then when people notice she put it back on and also allegedly giving away the dogs that she and Allie shared back in August like just very fuck fuck person behavior and then for Sophia's side of things Y'all, you know that like back in the day, she was briefly married to Chad Michael Murray and that the reason why they divorced was allegedly because Chad had cheated on her. But then just recently, Aaron and Sarah Foster, daughters to David, they're like, they act and they, you know, they're definitely in like the pop culture world. They did a podcast where they talked about how Aaron was dating Chad in like 2001, 2002 and then he definitely cheated on him, her with uh, Sophia. Like, she says, he definitely did cheat on me with her in, like, a pretty egregious way while we were living together. Now, to add another little uh, link to the chain, Hillary Burton, who was a former castmate of One Tree Hill, you know, remember for her from uh, uh, doing that MTV contest to get, like, a VJ spot. And then her whole life changed. Like, good for her. And now she's married to that... Hunk of a man, I always forget his name because he always looks like the other two. You know which other two, and I forget their names too. <laughs> There's the three of them, and they all look alike, and I don't know, but whatever. Hillary and her husband, they look like they fuck, and that's all that matters. But anyway, she clapped back at Aaron Foster and posted on her Instagram, um, what's good, basically. So she posts like the, the link or the picture of um the headline from E! News says, Aaron Foster accuses Chad Michael Murray of cheating on her with Sophia Bush. She posts this on her Instagram story and goes, oof, cringe. I got off my red-eye flight home and multiple people had sent me this headline. As a person who had a front row seat then, this wasn't it. We were all told you'd broken up, which is why our guy was pursuing her. Now this is being spun to make my sister look like a brazen harlot. And if she's anyone's harlot, she's mine. Happy to discuss at Aaron Foster. You also deserve truth. There are so many unnamed sources making claims about this woman I love, so fuck it. I'll be a named source. 
A lot of internet voices being nasty, and as a person who knows the real timeline, it would be laughable if it wasn't so hurtful. Now, what is laughable to me is that, like, you had all this, you're saying you had a front row seat, and this is your sister, and, and your harlot, your soulmate, but you got a lot of bass in your chest about this um, Chad Michael Murray situation and, and nothing about the current one. So, I don't really think people care about what happened. In 2001, Hillary, we're talking about what's going on now, but you're being a really good friend. And I feel like you're trying to distract from your friend's messiness by like being like, oh, Aaron Foster was good. But it's, it's not going to work for me. But I do appreciate it. Anyway, let's move on. So if you guys love mess, join me on this journey to find out exactly what happened. But sounds very sketchy to your girl. And with that, you guys, let's move on to our recaps of Welcome to Plasco and of spinning uncontrollably in your car does not scream caution to me. Did I hit anything? Absolutely not. No. Why? Because I was cautious. No, absolutely not. I've been in several very traumatic car accidents. And I don't like the feeling of my body in a car that feels out of control to me. And I've repeatedly told him I'm not okay with that. If I'm telling my husband, this is traumatic for me because I want to be listened to, I want to be taken seriously. There we go. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I would like to get out. Why? Because this is not fun for me. I've been in car accidents and that was horrible enough. I, why would I want to spin out of control? Uh, but the thing is we weren't spinning out of control. Yes. No, we weren't. Yes. No, we you weren't. want to do no donuts when you're by yourself in the car? That's fine. Not with me in it. Okay. So in the future, I'll say, I'm going to do a donut. You have 20 seconds to get out. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Cairo, Georgia. Let's get into Welcome to Plathville for this week. We actually start off in Minnesota. So I don't know what the accent was for. But anyway, Olivia is walking into a bar to shadow. And she says she's definitely still a wedding photographer. But she's like looking at this as a way to make a little money and meet people and really figure out what she wants in life. Now that she's got all that free time, you know, because none of the plasts want to speak to her. But anyway, she says that right now that she and Ethan aren't spending a lot of time together. But actually, that's a good thing. Because... Being married is just like a portion of her life. And she's trying to figure out Olivia, right? But then she says, I think I've changed a lot since I've gotten married. And I think that's okay. But now there's more of a divide in what Ethan and I stand for. And I'm not sure what to do about it. And then she says that sometimes her friends will see her like basically living life as a single woman. And they'll be like, why are you in this marriage, girl? Like, does this bring any quality to your life? But she claims that she's got high hopes for their year. Because Ethan's a lot happier in Minnesota. So she thinks it's going to be a great place for their relationship to grow. And literally, the preview for next episode. <laughs> they're talking about how, in a matter of months, their relationship completely unraveled. But we'll talk about that next week. Then... We see Isaac and Kim meet up at the farm so she can tell him that she's banging airplane Ken. And I know I've been asking every episode, when the hell are we going to talk about Kim and her DUI? Where is this on the timeline? So I did a little digging. I knew that the DUI happened over the summer of 2022, but they, I guess, didn't start filming until maybe like November. So 
I'm assuming that we're not going to be addressing this at all, which is, like, pretty wild and unfortunate, really, because this is, like, one of the more juicy things to happen. Like, that uh, family statement was not the craziest thing to happen with that family that summer. And this is where I think TLC messes up time and time again, is that they won't address typically these very large things that happens in their talents lives and we're just like oh it's just like light and bright which is why situations like the Duggars and I mean honestly every show I'm not thinking of a show that uh didn't have uh people excuse me I'll have to take it back other than the little couple I can't think of a situation in which one of the cast members hasn't done something deeply problematic but what a storyline we're missing like now that I know that all this happened after, all this was filmed after the fact, it's painting a picture as to why Lydia is doing her Christian shade towards, uh, to, to Kim. It makes sense as to why there is, like, a clearly strained relationship. And I think they want to cast this off as, like, oh, well, Barry took the kids and, like, Kim's not around so much. So maybe that's why there's a little bit of tension between them. But no, girl, you ran, you drove into a ditch. Like, that's, the story is wild. But then we just get this explanation like, oh, Kim was telling us that she and Isaac don't see each other that often because he's in flight school and other things. But she's trying to get the farm going as a wedding venue. And so that was put on hold because of the divorce. And it's like, girl, get your life together. How many women get divorced every single hour and they don't quit everything? because a divorce like and also you don't really seem that wrapped up in the divorce i'm not really sure how much time it's taking up for you was this probably because of the dui and not the divorce i don't know but she and isaac are going through little things that they can do to make it a little bit more wedding appropriate she tells us that she and ken have been dating for a few months now which i feel like last week she said to her friend that it was only a few weeks or several weeks or something so it sounds like she waited a little bit so that's interesting. So then she starts it off like, well, you're here, there, and everywhere, so you probably don't know everything that's going on in my life, right? But I've been dating Ken, and Isaac goes, okay, that would make sense. And she goes, why? He says he basically put two and two together, so it really doesn't surprise him. So Kim asks him how he feels. Do you have any questions? Whatever. And his response is, um... <laughs> But then in a confessional, he says, I don't know what to say. Like, I feel sad for the most part, but like, I also feel a little bit awkward and I don't know what to think of it. So Isaac asks if the other siblings know. Kim says not yet. She wanted to tell him first. And, you know, she's like, you know, because you are the one that introduced us. <laughs> and he's just like, uh. <laughs> in a confessional, Kim says it's really important that, you know, because of the divorce, she builds strong relationships with the kids, right? And ultimately, that they need to feel okay, which is probably why she didn't acknowledge that Isaac is basically looking like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, he didn't want to hear that. Like, when you said he introduced you to his new boy, to your new boyfriend, he didn't like, he didn't love that. But then he asks if Barry knows and how he reacted to that. Kim's like, um... He just said that that's really sad. Like, I understand that that would be sad 
And, you know, when we first separated, I told him I wanted to see other people. And I told him three times in that conversation because I wanted to make sure he hear me, heard me. But he never really acknowledged that he'd heard me. He never said, I don't want you to or please don't. He just never acknowledged it at all. And while I do think that Barry was probably emotionally unavailable, Kim sucks. <laughs> I can't imagine in your I'm divorcing you conversation that somebody be like, I'm going to be seeing other people, and I really want to drum this into you so that you hear me. Like, I just feel like that feels mean <laughs> and unnecessary. Like, you're, the breaks up, the divorce is enough. I think he got it. And to be honest, Kim, I'm glad he gave you nothing. I'm glad he didn't, like, try to exert any sort of emotion towards this situation. I'm glad he said there is nothing, because nothing is probably what you deserve. Isaac sticks up for Barry and he says, I know it's hard for dad because it's such a big change. Kim says in a confessional that she kind of expected Barry would tell her not to see other people. But again, he didn't say anything. Maybe he was holding out hope that they'd get back together. But knowing that she's seeing somebody else, maybe he realizes that, that isn't going to happen. So I just put a pin in that for a second. I don't know where I heard this, but I heard that recently they being Kim and Barry both wish each other a happy anniversary. So I'm not sure if Ken was long for this world. Seems very odd that you would wish your ex a happy anniversary. I didn't see this. I just heard that that happened. So I'm curious if there's like a reconciliation happening or... Ugh, I don't know. After that, Kim tells Isaac that eventually Barry's going to meet somebody and have a good relationship and realize that it was good that they didn't stay married. And I feel like Kim doesn't need to be having these types of conversations with her children. You know, <laughs> this is for like a my adult children are like totally OK with this. Not my 17 year old who's clearly having an issue with this. Being like, oh, he'll be better eventually. Like he doesn't understand that and he's not going to. I think this is weird. You need to, like, not to put it on your black friend, but, like, can you find an additional friend to talk this through and not put it on your kids? I would appreciate that. Isaac says in a confessional that obviously his dad was sad about the divorce, but he feels like one door closed and a million more opened up for him after that. So Isaac asks Kim where she thinks things are going to go with Ken, and she's like, you know, I definitely see long-term potential, but I don't know what the future looks like. And Isaac tells her, look, some of your, some of the siblings may not like it. Some of them might think it's too soon, but like, I'm okay. But then he says in a confessional that he's worried about her dating somebody so quickly, but he's going to support his parents. And at least he knows that Ken is a good guy. So that's something, right? And then Kim says in a confessional that she's knows that she's going to have to approach telling all the kids a little bit differently. Like you might need to tell Lydia in the prayer closet. So things don't get too ugly, you know, just keep her centered. You know, like they say, if you're going to, if you feel like you're going to break up with somebody dramatic, then do it in a public place so that they like chill out. Like same thing, same concept. And then we go back up to Minnesota where Olivia's sister, Lydia Grace and her boyfriend, CJ are flying into Minnesota to hang out with them for Christmas. When they interview CJ, the boyfriend, he's like, you know, I'm anxious to meet Olivia because everybody else I've met in Lydia's family has been, um, difficult to put it nicely and meeting her dad it was pretty clear that I was not up to her standards because they kept referring to me as Lydia's friend and basically they don't accept any people that are different from them so Lydia says that she's really excited to have them meet 
But from her perspective, the last time she saw Olivia, she saw Ethan. And that was really unexpectedly because he wasn't supposed to be there in Tampa, right? But he was kind of distanced. But then she's like, you know, I understand because I was too. And in a double confessional, Ethan and Olivia are sitting there. And Olivia says to the cameras, Ethan's not really the biggest fan of like people in general. And he goes, well, relationships for me are hard. Like I barely made this one work at all. And she makes a face and he says, stop laughing at me. And I think this was like the smile of a woman who was just like, uh, you stabbed her right in her clit, you know? <laughs> I don't know. That body part just came out. You'll have to forgive me. But, you know, like, it just felt like it, like she was like, mm -hmm, like smiling through the pain. I, I should have said that. I'm going to keep this up there. You know, that's just my jam. But Ethan does say something really nice in a confession well, not really nice but he basically says that it's really good to see olivia getting along with his her sister because it's she he knows that it's been a struggle for her to get along with her family but on the other hand it also gives him hope with his family that maybe it's not going to be like they're not speaking for the rest of their lives because he's really been thinking about that and then kim and ken go on a sushi date and i'm not sure what look she was going for with the pink kind of polo-esque half zip sweater with a tight black skirt and the the wedge heels but that was a look that was definitely a look kim explains that she started talking to ken after isaac gave her his phone number so that they could discuss the details of buying the plane and so she could like she could sense his interest during these text messages or whatever so she decided to like beep him 911 and hit him on the main line right Ken says in his confessional that they really balance each other out well because Kim's super outgoing. He's more conservative, more reserved. And they're both in a place where they want to be with the right people. Like maybe they've been with people before and they were fine, but they just weren't right for them. Kim says in a confessional, she hasn't dated in a minute. Like if you count Barry and the one date that they went on before they got married, Clinton had recently been in, in office when she was dating She's, she gets into like the first kiss, right? How, how nice and exciting it was. She's like, he, unlike um, her administration's old dating history, the kissing is like riding a bike. You just never forget. Then Kim says she wants to go inside because her calamari is getting wet. And I, they were eating sushi um, and seafood, but I think she meant that in more ways than one. We don't need to get into it. Anyway, she says she feels really heard with Airplane Ken and that he draws things out of her. Just a lot of innuendo that happened during the scene. They start talking about Isaac and Ken was like, he was actually surprised at how okay Isaac was with him seeing Kim. So Kim asked, what would you consider our relationship to be? Like, would you call me your girlfriend? He stares into space himself a little bit like longer than I would prefer if I asked the question but then he eventually does say definitely like I think it's that time we can we can move to that title <laughs> then she put some sushi in Ken's mouth and it was probably a little preview for later I'm so sorry we'll move on Ken says it's weird to the Kim rather says in a confessional like it's weird to be a girlfriend while being like over 50 but it does appear as though I'm getting a second shot at love down in Cairo, Barry's got his drip chain on in his tightest, titty-exposing top to do yard work for whatever reason. And Barry says he didn't condone Kim's dating. 
or, or anything she's doing it but she's gonna do what she's gonna do part of him gets really angry about the breakup because after 25 years like it's hard but the other part is sad and he's just all alone in some respects and that's been really rough and the depressing thoughts of like you're not worthy have been creeping up and that's not a healthy path so he's just focused on not trying to hate kim for the things that she put him through (laughs) and just move forward and raise the kids i would really like him to expand like what did kim do to you like i gotta say i don't fuck with kim or barry really like they're both l7 weenies to me frankly but i do kind of i well i will say this i feel like kim's laid out more of an explanation as to why she left that makes sense to me than um than barry and his anger like is he just anger angry that she's left is he angry about how she treated them him during the marriage like is there more to that that he's not saying that's what i would like to know or is this purely because she left him a producer asks barry how he realized you know to push through the depression right and how did he make that shift and he says the battle begins in the mind and recognizing things and how he spent a number of years not recognizing those things but also you have to like couple that recognition of what you did and how you fucked up with responsibility cody brown hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Anyway, then he says, you know, I've had a lot of L's, a lot of losses, but my faith has brought me through this process a lot quicker than I thought. Like, and honestly, dating's the furthest thing from my mind right now. The most important thing is to create a stable environment for the children. And I hope that Kim and I can find what we want in the next chapter. Then we head over to LA because Micah is there, but he's packing to go snowboarding for Christmas because he's like, honestly, I don't really know what the rest of my family's doing because we never really celebrated most of the holidays growing up. So it's kind of like whatever for him. But he gets a FaceTime from Mariah while he's packing. And he's talking about how, like, how he's gearing up for some weightlifting competition with Isaac. But then Ethan gets brought up. And she says, you know, I haven't spoken to him since our last conversation where he was demanding that she pay for September rent, even though their lease was up in August. And that's when she left. And then she says, listen, he would call me every night and demand that I apologize to Olivia. And so I just blocked him. Then she says in a confessional that Ethan and she were like frenemies growing up. They were best, worst enemies. They fought a lot. And he was the sibling that bullied her the most. And 
things are different now. Like they could be like, oh, ha ha. He was mean to her and like laugh it off then. But she's found her voice now. He can't keep treating her the same way he used to because she internalized the bullying. And she's like, I'm just not going back to that. Now, Micah says that the last time he saw Ethan was in Georgia. And then they got into it about the social media posts. And mostly they got into it about Mariah Ethan got heated and stormed out, but then he texted Micah a week later apologizing, but then he started ghosting Micah again because Micah says he's tried calling and texting him, but he hasn't heard back from Ethan since Ethan apologized to him. And he's like, listen, I don't want to have a bad relationship, but I'm also not going to be the only person working on it. So unless Ethan tries to, like, it kind of is what it is. Then things get interesting because Mariah said that now that she's been thinking about it, she probably could apologize about the music stuff because she acted out of fear and not logic. So Micah asks, do you want to explain why you acted the way you did? Mariah says that she wants to do the right thing, but she also feels like Olivia did whatever she did to get a reaction out of her about that music stuff. But then she's like, you know, I want to have, I believe in having unconditional support for your family but only as long as it's healthy for you. And then she says in a confessional that it's been about three months since she blocked Ethan. And maybe he's changed since then. She wouldn't know because he can't call her. But eventually she's going to unblock him and they can talk it out like adults. But until then, they need time. So Mariah then asks Micah, can you be honest with me? Like, do you think that I have done anything wrong? Can you Do you want to critique me? Do you think I should apologize for anything? And Micah doesn't really say anything. But in a confessional, he goes, listen, if you have to block somebody to cope, then I guess do it. I mean, I'm proud to say I've never blocked any of my family members, but everyone handles things differently. So if that's how Mariah has to handle things with Ethan, that's how she has to do it. But I'm over trying to fix things like this is not my job. So they come back and he's like, yeah, I got to go, Mariah. Like, bye. (laughs) Basically just shuts that laptop up to go snowboarding. I've always said that I trust Micah the most out of this family to be like the most reliable narrator narrator. And the fact that he's over Mariah and talking about this and he feels like what she did was extreme. And to say like, I'm proud to say that I've never blocked any of my family members leads me to believe that he thinks that her behavior is immature and stupid, (laughs) but he doesn't even care to waste the effort to tell her that. So back in Minnesota, Olivia says that she's really not into the cold weather. Like, it's not her jam, but she can deal with anything for a year. So the plan is, now that her sisters and CJ are there, to go sledding. We all know that shit's going down, because even Lydia Grace introduces this clip package, and she's like, yeah, we're about to have fun. And then she laughs, because I know that this scene has already happened, and she knows they did not have fun. (laughs) So things start off badly before they even leave because olivia tries to insist that ethan wear a warmer hat but he's like i was just outside i'll be fine and she like feels some type of way about that they interview both ethan and olivia and they are talking about how like oh this is like a really snowy day and the producer goes so you're driving with caution right olivia goes nope and ethan smiles and goes like some yeah So then we see footage of Ethan doing donuts and he says that actually does involve caution because you have to like prevent yourself from hitting a pole or another car or whatever. But Olivia says the idea of spinning around in a car really doesn't scream caution to her. 
Olivia tells us in a confessional that she's been in several traumatic car accidents and really doesn't like being in a car that feels out of, excuse me, out of control. She repeatedly told him, I'm not okay. So she feels like if I tell my husband that something's traumatic for me, I want to be taken seriously. And we do see her say from the back of the car, like, I want to get out, whatever. He's doing donuts in what appears to be the parking lot for this place that they're going to go sledding. So... I mean, was it like the least, was it the scariest thing? No. But I also feel like if somebody is triggered and they're telling you to stop, you got to stop, especially when it's in a car. Like if you're not behind the wheel, it's very easy to feel super out of control. And if I'm scared, like you got to stop, man. And I'm kind of with her on that. I kind of am. Like, even if you think it's stupid and you think she's being overdramatic, imagine how you would feel if you were sitting in the backseat of a car, of an SUV, and feeling like I there's nothing I could do and you're telling somebody to stop and they're not stopping. They're, like, laughing while you do it. Like, eventually, I think I would get pretty upset about that. So even after the fact, after this has all happened and they're interviewing them, Ethan insists things were not out of control. And, okay, if you're saying anything in the future... And I want to do a donut. I'll just say, you've got 20 seconds to get out, which is not something that anybody wants to hear. You know? So Olivia goes, I don't even have the words for your lack of respect. And Ethan goes, well, I feel like you were being overdramatic. And I just don't understand how doing a donut can be so traumatizing. But Olivia says, even you telling me that is gaslighting. So he goes, okay, well... How are you so sensitive? Like, that being in a car for 30 seconds doing donuts is still having an impact on you today. But as he's saying this, Olivia's trying to talk over him, being like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. I'm done. Because she knows. he's He obviously doesn't get it. He's not going to. He He's never going to see her side. So, like, let's just not even go there. And Ethan's response to this is, well, that's how I see it. And I'm not moving because I'm a stubborn individual. <laughs> So in the car, after they're doing donuts, he finally parks. CJ gets out of the car and he's like, well, that was awkward. <laughs> you know, every couple has these moments. So I'm just going to be like, I was forward. I'm not going to say anything. And then Lydia Grace is like, that was definitely awkward. I felt really awkward about that. And I also feel some type of way because I've been in car accidents, but I know that Olivia has been way more. So it kind of bothered me that he didn't stop. Actually, I can't believe that he didn't stop. And I'm actually getting mad about it now. But then he was trying to have fun, so I'm kind of torn. Like, she's upset, but he wasn't really doing anything. So the episode ends with Olivia going, you know what? At the end of the day, I feel justified in my anger, but I'm trying to have a good day. So we'll just have to hash it out later. So it does end with them, like, giggling and sledding. But there was a tension. Tension on the on the slopes. No one ever thought about me. <laughs> right. Let's move on. And yeah. so what I'm doing right now is I'm thinking about me. It's frustrating that almost my entire life of men they all have to realize how great i am after they've showed me how terrible they can be when i knew how great they were to begin with so why can't someone see how great i am to begin with okay let's get into kardashians another quick episode but some shit went down at the end and i was like we're coming back we're coming back for some good stuff but we start off with kylie and kim she's Kylie is over at Kim's house. They're like coming up with a little special handshake or whatever. And Kim says that Kylie's her twin flame. They're super close, but they keep reiterating that Kylie's 
coming back that there's she's really getting back to herself tumblr kylie is coming back king kylie era is coming back we have yet to see this but i appreciate you letting us know that something might be happening in the future then she tells kylie that she's taken saint and four of his friends to london and paris because he's obsessed with soccer so she's trying to plan the trip of a lifetime kim says in a confessional i love my girls but you know, the girls will steal your clothes and have an attitude. And there's just really nothing like being a boy mom. North. She's talking about you, North. <laughs> and for those of y'all who did not see, Kim and North went on live uh, a few days ago. They were watching uh, the latest episode of Kardashians. And North revealed several things. And people are a little bit upset with Kim. One, North revealed that she's dyslexic, that she is possibly coming out with an album, and that Kim has a new brand upcoming. Um, But then people kept posting the Palestinian flag emoji in the comments. So North is asking, like, what flag is that? And there's been a lot of debate because what Kim said is, oh, that's the Brazilian flag. And then she kind of, like, got her off of live pretty quickly. It was like, oh, let's go over to Twitter. Like, move it. And so there are people who are of, like, two minds of maybe she could have found, like, a child-friendly way of addressing this or, like, she did the right thing by just, like, keeping it pushing and not, like, whatever. I kind of feel like I mean, I'm really neutral. Do do we really have to have a debate about what Kim does with North (laughs) and Palestine? Like, I think maybe that's a little unfair, but um, I do, I could see how, like, maybe in the moment she was like, I don't really know how to, like, address this right now and there's, like, thousands of people watching us, so I'm just gonna do that. I could see how in the moment that might have been her thinking. Back to Kim's house. Kim starts looking around and she goes, you know, I really want to go to your house and check out your hoarding vibes. And Kylie goes, I'm not a hoarder. I'm just not a minimalist like you. And then Kylie says in a confessional, as far as Kim having like one couch in her living room, that's not me. You know, like my Kim's house echoes because there's just no furniture. Like, and I'm just not like that at all. Then Chris and Chloe go to visit Scott, and he's like officially the back physical therapy is not working. He's definitely got to get surgery. But then Chris is just like, "Well, listen here, we we're filming this. You know what's on the call sheet? Are you single, Scott?" And Chloe goes, "Oh, that's subtle." <laughs> and then Chris looks straight at the camera, and goes, "Well, everybody wants to know. No, we don't. Like, I love Scott, and I don't really, I don't need to know that because, frankly, his taste is." poor um but i do i will say he was wearing one of those like album t-shirts with him on it it just said scott dick and disick and it had a bunch of faces on it and i think i want it because now i've got like a collection i've got my my uh ina garden one <laughs> i've got one of angela and michael from 90 day fiance and i think scott disick might be the the perfect trifecta for me to complete my collection but anyway the point of this is to like let's have a little beeline C storyline setting Scott up with somebody, Chris and Chloe dating service, right? He says that as far as like him dating anybody right now, he's just too focused on the kids. But when Chloe asks him, are you lonely? He says, yeah, all the time. Like I can't live only for my kids. But Chris and Chloe are both like, oh, we could. No problem. No problem. But Chloe looks at her. She's like, mom, you've never been alone ever. Like literally since you came out of MJ's vagina. So you calm down. Chris says in a confessional, I can't help it if I'm popular. It was just something I was born with. And if you want to know how that isn't true, 
you can check out my Chris special episode over on Patreon. I think I may have done a two-part series because there's a lot to talk about. We get into all her upbringing, how she got to be the woman that is never single. That is a big pillar of her life and how the Kardashians got to where they are today. So I would check it out if you guys aren't on my Patreon, patreon.com slash E-B-B-M podcast. It's, there's tea back there, okay? So Chris asks, where do you go out at night to meet girls? He's like, the strip club? She's like, no. <laughs> but where, where were you think he was going? A book club? He's not playing pickleball. We already talked about how his back is fucked. So what what is he doing? Where Where is he going? So then Chris asks, Scott, what is your dream girl? Like on paper, what would you say? He looks over at Chloe and goes, how tall are you? So Chris says in a confessional, I'm not surprised that Scott has a crush on her. I have a crush on her. The cameramen have a crush on her. Everybody has a crush on Chloe. It's just like, is that true? I don't know. Um, but Scott says, basically, if you can find somebody like Chloe, that'll be good. Because she's funny. She's kind. She's cute. Obviously, I would never look at her sexually, even though I joke about it. I just need somebody that doesn't give up on me because I've been through things and know that I'm not perfect. So, like, Chloe, I think you maybe thought that was a compliment, but really what he's saying is that I want somebody to stay with me through all the bullshit and still, like, make sure that my candle order is on the way for the month and that everything is aligned perfectly in my refrigerator. Like, that that's what he wants. And that really, like, it's not a compliment. I, it feels like one, but it's not really. And then Chris goes back in a confessional and says that, Whoever Scott dates has to have a good sense of humor because Scott's one of the funniest guys she knows and how he reminds her of Rob, who she calls Rob on FaceTime and goes, who do you think is a perfect girl for Scott? And he goes, I don't know, like a fucking whore. And Chris goes, oh, um, okay, never mind. I'll talk to you later. And the producer goes, I don't think we could say fucking whore on TV. And Chris goes, oh, we'll just bleep it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay. There was a video of somebody's birthday, one of the kids' birthdays, where Scott was, or not Scott, uh, Rob was in the background, truly giving Sasquatch. Like, you could not tell that it was him, except for it was an all-black outfit. But, you know, he's slimmed down quite a bit. But then other people were saying that it was Mason, so it's really hard to tell. So Chris says she's going to be Scott's official matchmaker and Penelope walks in from school or whatever. And so she comes down and Chloe asks her, what qualities do you think we should look for for your dad, for a girlfriend? And she's like, older. <laughs> and Chloe goes, older than what he's used to. And she goes, yeah, yeah. So Chloe says he was saying that maybe he wanted somebody in their late 20s. And she goes, no, 20s? You're 40. <laughs> You're not going to date somebody 19. And he goes, well, I would. And it's like, yeah, we know. Shout out to Sophia Richie. But then he says, or Penelope says what he can have. She has to have a good personality. She can be pretty. She can. And she also needs him to be with somebody who goes to, to the gym because he needs to go as well. After that, Kim and Saint and friends are heading over on Kim Air to London for their soccer mom world tour. Kim says she likes to try to find what her kids' passions are and then do a trip that coordinates with that. Like, she took Chicago and her friends to the San Diego Zoo and, you know, Salma's was there. And then she took North to Paris because North loves fashion. By the way, on that uh, live, North was like, I don't love fashion. 
So then Kim says, she tells, like, the least relatable story of, like, a friendship coming full circle. Because one of her childhood best friends is Allison. She's blonde. We see her a lot of times at Kim's events. She looks very, like, normal. They went to high school together. Kim became Kim Kardashian. And they're just, like, still besties, right? Wrong. Allison's got money, okay? Her dad is Irving Azoff. Chris and Shelly, the mother, are, like, best best friends her father Irving Azoff is like a major guy in the music industry and so she's telling a story of how like she and Allison are now taking their sons to London but back in the day Allison's family took her to London because they were on tour with the Eagles so this is like a great moment for them this is not like my reality like my reality would be like oh um we went to like we used to go to Destin Florida you know, and now we're taking our kids there. That That's about all we're going to do. Like, I'm not meeting the Eagles or anything like that. After that, we go back to L.A. where Chris and Chloe have compiled five women that they got from a matchmaker, a.k.a. Central Casting, to be vetted for Scott, right? First up is Celine. She's basically an adjacent Kardashian. She's Persian. She's Jewish. She runs a lot of like a clothing line with her sister. She's like, Oh, you know, family means everything. I want to have a bunch of kids. She grew up in Beverly Hills. She went to Buckley, which is like an infamous private school. Paris went there. Chris tells her that Rob went there and she's like, yeah, I would see you guys at games sometimes. And so Chris is like, okay, well, what about you for Rob? But I have questions because Rob is like my age and that girl said she was 29. So like, were you watching him in fifth grade when he, when he or you were in fifth grade and he was like a senior? I, I don't, that's the only thing that would make sense to me. But anyway, um, Chris says in a confessional that she and Chloe right now are like the, the Katy Perry and Lionel Richie of matchmaking. And Chloe looks over her like, girl, nobody's going to get that reference. Nobody. She's like, well, Katie and Lionel will. I could tell this whole episode that Chloe was really over Chris in a way that gave like OG keeping up with the Kardashians. And I just like, there was a cloud over Chloe this whole time that I'm thinking like, Ooh, Ooh, I can't wait for the end of the episode, but uh, let's go. Like, do we have to go back to London? Not really. Not really. <laughs> there was some brief talk about how, like Kim might be meeting up with a cute or not meeting up with a cute guy. She might see a cute guy at the soccer game. And Kim says in a confessional that when you're like the single one of all your married friends, there's just desperation written all over your face and they're trying to hook you up with any and everybody. But she's like really good being single for now. And then this really made me think um, anybody who I'm personal friends with, who's married, why aren't y'all setting me up with anybody? Is there something wrong with me? We got to talk about this because not one of y'all have ever tried to set me up with somebody and I'm feeling like I might take offense to that. So y'all, y'all got some explaining to do and I'm I'm going to need answers in my inbox by Monday. Thank you. After that, Allison makes a joke about how, oh, Kim, after your last experience, I think you're probably looking for somebody older, right? Pete Davidson. And Kim says, yeah, y'all aren't about to catch me, catch me dating somebody younger, like everybody else in my family. I, again, Again, I, I'm I'm going for somebody in their 40s, right? And then they start talking about the Met Gala. And Kim says that she was possibly going to be petty because remember how last year there were rumors about how none of the Kardashians got an invite to the that year? And then she talks about how in the past, 
you know, like this has kind of always been a thing with Kim and the Met Gala. Everybody's been like, you're not worthy. You're Kanye's plus one. That's the only way you're getting in. But now she's like, oh, I think I'm going to bring somebody with me. And they're like teasing this as though we already know that this didn't happen. But she says she's as part of her uh, trip stop in Paris. She's going to be meeting Carl Lagerfeld, who's passed at this point. He had a famous cat named Choupette gorgeous cat he would carry him around her around or i don't know what i don't know what Choupette's pronouns are but carry Choupette around everywhere and she kim was planning on meeting Choupette so that they could like do a little meet cute and she would take that cat on the red carpet of the met gala which is madness <laughs> like why would anybody have thought that was a good idea? Kim, you were so lucky that we see in a preview that that cat was swatting and, and hissing in your face and trying to bite your nose off. Because, girl, PETA would have come for your ass so hard. <laughs> Dummy, why did you not think, like, I'm not going to take a cat on the red fucking carpet with all those flashes and it's loud. Girl, come on. Listen, Kimberly. The only thing that we want from you, as far as the Met Gala, is to be on theme. That's it. Okay? Thank you. Step outside the bun, if you will. Not to steal from Taco Bell. But you and your sisters, you just... This is this irks me, and I, I know I rant about this a lot. But, like, y'all, they go to the Met Gala, and they're just like, Oh, what what's the theme? Oh, okay. We're going to just, like, dress like we would if we were going to homecoming. We just want to look hot. Okay? So we're just going to wear whatever we want. Thank you. Thank you so much. What's a theme? And it pisses me off. <laughs> it really pisses me off. It, because I just, like, what's the point? I Like, as somebody who really loves fashion and pop culture... Why are you here if you're not going to be on theme and have fun? Like, they're so terrified of not looking hot. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. They just like can't be creative and it's so annoying. Especially for Kim, who claims to have such a reverence and respect for all these great fashion houses and wants to be in the rooms and, like, wants to be respected in the fashion world, then do it. And I know she did that whole black thing where we couldn't see her face, but that, that wasn't eating either, okay? Not not at all. <sighs> we want to take a breath. Saint starts crying 
when they get to the Arsenal game because Kim forgot his jersey back in LA. So he's like crying in the in the VIP room and Kim's just like woo 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 but she tells us in a confessional that she's not strict with her kids because her parents weren't strict at all. And it would be really amazing if she had a partner who would take over and handle that sort of thing, but it just can't happen like that. Then she says, I think this is like a slight nod to that conversation that had been happening several months ago about how uh, female-centered in a toxic way this family is, how they really cart out those girls, but those boys seem to get a lot of privacy, and it's like odd. Like, Kylie and Chloe were pretty forthcoming with Stormy and True, but we didn't see the boys, we didn't hear their names, like, for several months, and it's just very interesting. It's it's kind of, like, demented on both sides, if you think about it, but we, we can't get into that. That's, like, a Patreon episode I could do, but anyway, um, she says that, you know, because her family's so, like, female-dominant, she decided to get a Manny for, I guess, Saint and Psalm, and she's like, I was really worried to tell their dad, but Kanye introduced himself. They played two-on-two soccer with Saint and him, and it's actually been really nice. And Kanye even corrected the Manny because the Manny, like, handed Saint the ball. And Kanye was like, no, what I would do is have you, like, make him go get it. And, you know, basically things worked out. And I can spill, like, some old tea. Like, this is pretty old. So I'll just feel. But I, I heard that in terms of like parenting and um things of that nature that Kim and Kanye were like definitely the best ones and like Kanye was a hands-on dad and this was like maybe it was like years ago like I think Chloe and Kylie had not even had their kids at this point when I got this info but uh yeah I think it was like Kim and Kanye were like doing actual normal parenting stuff and then Scott was trying and then and then Courtney. And that's that's the vibe I got. We'll move on. Kim says that in terms of her kids, North kind of just lives her life as an only child. Like, fuck them kids. Uh, the other two, Chicago and Salm, are like a year apart. They're practically twins and they kind of do life together. So Saint is kind of, yeah, he's like the middle child. Like, he loves the little kids, but they're too little. He would really love to hang out with North, but she refuses and so she tries to give him a like a little bit of attention and he's a real mama's boy even though like he's at the point where he's trying not to like get hugs and kisses from her in the carpool line but she's always been very clear that that saint is, was her favorite child so you know that's interesting um because like why does chicago chicago just got a trip to san diego but he gets to go to london and paris and bring the homies and their mamas we're stamping passports and, and Solemn just got to tag with, with Chicago to San Diego. <laughs> That's whack. When, when does Shy get to go international? Solemn better step it up in the next couple of years before his trip is like to the, the cheesecake factory at the, the Grove. Also, whew, that boy Saint looks just like his daddy stole his whole face it is shocking how much they look alike back in la chris and chloe finally they picked out their one true queen <laughs> shout out to come through queen uh to go on a date with scott they picked celine i didn't even bother with the four other ladies because why you know we we all got we got so many hours in the day so chris and scott are talking she gets the tea from him 
he's like, you know, she's really positive, and I feel like I could learn a lot from her. But basically, oh my god, then he says the most shocking thing. He says, I probably talked to her more than girls that I've talked to that I dated for years. <laughs> more more conversation that one time the girl he's never gonna see than chicks that he's like have fully been in his house and he's girl. <laughs> I feel like people really miss that, but he basically was like, I'm concerned because she said at one point that she never really had deep enough feeling for somebody enough to be in a long-term relationship. So I'm like, well, <laughs> you're not even have you're having long-term relationships with no depth whatsoever. So you might as well try, try it with Celine. We see the date where he's like, I think maybe you're too happy, right? He says, have you ever had your heart broken? Have you always been this chipper? Has anything bad ever happened to you? Because he talked about, you know, losing his parents and when she was talking about how close she was to her parents and stuff. And she's like, ah, oh, well, my grandparents died. And he goes, what, when they were 100? She goes, well, actually, yeah, my grandpa was 101. <laughs> so he goes, okay, so do you, like, go to therapy? Do you at least cry at a movie or something? He tells Chris, like, I would definitely hang out with her. Um, but, like, I just don't think it's, like, whatever, right? I think we could just be friends. And when they're trying to end the date, he goes, I feel like maybe you should be my life coach. So Chris says, if you want, I can pull the strings to get you on The Bachelor. And he's like, no, that sounds like a nightmare or like a bad porno. So pass. Back in London, we did get an answer to something that I've been wondering. Is Kim still in law school? Because she, it happens to be St. Patrick's Day. So she and the girlfriends leave the kids with the, the manny and the security at the hotel. They go to a pub to have a Guinness. I did not see Kim actually drink it, but she claimed that she did. Anyway, a girl walks up to her and she's like, are you Kim Kardashian? Are, are you still in law school? I'm still a fellow law student. And Kim's like, you know, it's just great to, you know, be with my, my fellow law students and just pop into a pub and be normal with like a girl. Girl, you got cameras, security, ring lights. Your People are taking pictures of you and screaming the law student is practically crying. This isn't you popping into a, a, a little watering hole pub <laughs> and being normal, but okay. But Kim does say that she's still in law school. That was my point. Um, then she goes back and plays soccer with the boys in the hallway of the hotel, but she told us that she bought the whole floor, so it's fine. <laughs> the episode ends really juicily, I will say. Chloe goes over to Chris's house. And like I said, you could tell she's like feeling some type of way. Chris tells her about Scott's date, but in a confessional, she says that talking about Scott's love life kind of has her thinking about Chloe and where her head's at with Tristan. So she says to her, speaking of dating, what about your dating life? And Chloe goes, you know, I don't have one. And Chris is like, you know, I know, but like you and Tristan spent a lot of quality time co-parenting together. Like what if he moves on and you haven't, how are you going to feel about that? Chloe says, I won't know until I get there, but I want him to find love. I want him to be happy with somebody else. But with that being said, I do remember that the first time I saw Lamar when we were divorced or separated, I don't know, in a magazine with somebody else, like it did sting, but I didn't want to be with him at the time. And I think, you know, I got over it and I imagine the same thing's going to happen with Tristan. I think that's pro probably normal. And this, I will have to say, there's one thing about Chloe that I do understand. I think this is kind of a universal 
thing where even if you're totally over that person and you've moved on and then you see them in a position with where you were and it's like, Ooh, okay. Well, I'm having a feeling about that. Didn't expect it, but it's happening. <laughs> Chris says in a confessional that she's really worried that if one day Tristan does move on, Chloe is going to regret not get getting back with him fully in a monogamous, monogamous, and then Chris goes, I mean, it's just like a fucking one-on-one relationship. I can't say it. And you know why you can't say it, Kristen? Because Tristan and monogamy don't belong in the same damn sentence. Like, your body wouldn't even let you say it. Couldn't let the word come out when it came to Tristan. (laughs) So why are you expecting or like even putting it out there that chloe might be in regret for how she what chose not to be with a dude who fucked her over many 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 times over in like major really weird truly inventive ways why would she regret that that is i'd be so mad at my mom if she said that to me so then chris says I can just see that the effort that he puts into the kids and to you, Chloe. Chloe says, yeah, Tristan's a great guy. Don't you think it infuriates me that I basically helped mold this person to who he is? And now the greatness of him is probably going to get shared with somebody else. Yeah, like that's very frustrating. But that's not a reason for me to settle for somebody that didn't feel this way about me. Everybody was thinking about themselves. From all the girls, they were thinking about themselves. And it's like, Chloe, you can't put the women first in this situation don't <laughs> like like a little like a tra- chain a little kitten with a spray bottle like no girl stop it but the girls weren't thinking about her tristan was not thinking about her every time this happened nobody ever thought about chloe so she's gonna be thinking about chloe and then she says it's frustrating like all my entire life with these men they've all had to realize how great i am after they showed me how terrible they can be when i knew how great they were to begin with so why can't somebody just see how great i am to begin with why don't you ask tristan some of these questions like how would he feel if i was out dating somebody and chris goes he would be devastated i promise you that (laughs) and chloe goes well thanks but if you're gonna be devastated why do what you did and then she looks at her mom and goes what was the mindset when you cheated? And Chris goes, uh, you're asking me? And Chloe goes, well, who the fuck else am I talking to? <laughs> and then we end on a to be continued. But I just want to go back to like her monologue about like her molding these men into the great men that they are. Chloe, most of these men were already in relationships when you decided to be in relationships with them. So molding them... When you're starting off, like, I don't really love the how how you get them is how you lose them. Sort of. I mean, it, it applies, but I think, like, in some ways it's a little bit of a cop-out. But I also feel like, girl, you're starting relationships in murky, unholy ways that, like, are hurtful to other people. And then you're finding out that, like, oh... The clown makeup makeup was on my face the whole time as well. I just don't know. It's like, were you molding them? Or were they just like, oh, I'm with Khloe Kardashian. So I'm going to do this Kardashian machine thing because that's how it works. And that's how you get in the fold. And that's how eventually Chris is going to call up 
Bob Iger at ABC and get me in a cushy little ESPN job, you know, <laughs> or whatever, whatever magic they're going to whip up for me. I don't know. <sighs> I just like, girl, I think you have to look inside a little bit. You got this man in your house and he's probably flirting with you and like playing airplane food with the kids and being very performative because he knows that that's all he has to do. <laughs> And you need to think about that. And you molding them into great men, no. They weren't shit when you got them. And they continue to not be shit because they ain't shit. So think about that. Let's all think about that, shall we? (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot wait to see how Chris addresses the... um, Every time that she cheated? I want to know. I'm, I'm sat for that one. Thank you guys.